I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jen. How's it going? I'm okay. We've just had like a business bestie chat and now we're like picking our energy back up to record together again today. Yes. We, we are in the zone now. We're ready. Brain's activated. <laughs> and with the timing of this, my husband, and our podcast editor, we, we're doing this a bit later in the week to turn this over for next week. So he said, please keep this one a bit shorter than over an hour. So our goal is to keep this to like 30, 45 minutes. We'll see if we our can Our goal do it. is always to keep them to 30 minutes and it never happens. So let's find out. <laughs> also, forgive me, the sirens, I've left the window open a little bit. Alex is going to hate me for this, my husband. <laughs> but also people listening, if you can hear, but it's too hot for me not to have a little bit of window open. So forgive the sirens, but shall I read out today's question? Yes, please. Okay. Laura actually shared a whole of like lovely other stuff before they got to the question about like listening to the show and being excited that we're back. So thank you for that, Laura. And then your question is, (laughs) Laura says, I'm an artist and a graphic designer and I run a one woman creative studio. Like Jen, I'm very intentional about not hiring staff. If when I get to a certain stage, I would like to hire a VA or a studio manager, but for now it's just me. I've raised my rates over the last year and I have a steady stream of work coming in, which is great. And I'm very grateful for it. However, Being a service-based business, especially a one-woman show, there is a very clear cap on how much I'm able to earn providing services. I plan to keep raising my rates gradually and I'm slowly starting to gain slightly higher paying clients and I'm getting better at saying no to low paying jobs. But this feels like quite a slow strategy, at least just now when it's still just me. I also plan to set some time aside this year to make stock like vectors, illustrations and textures to hopefully set up some passive income streams, although I know this can be tricky to get going. Do you have any ideas, strategies or suggestions for expanding? income potential for a service-based business there are three reasons i'm asking this first i'd love to have more ease and breathing room around money at the moment i'm able to pay my way each month but i still like i still feel a lot of anxiety around my finances second it's my partner and my 10th anniversary next year and i want to treat him to an amazing holiday as a surprise we joked about going to the maldives but i would love that could become a reality and then third i want to help my parents who after working hard their whole lives are still paying off their mortgage and aren't able to retire yet i would love 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 to be able to help them pay off their mortgage mortgage so they can finally retire and enjoy life any advice you could give would be massively appreciated thank you for bringing the podcast back all the best laura it's a really juicy question i love this one i love this question because this is the question i've spent the past like two three years of my business answering myself kind of pivoting from solely being a service-based business to being what i now think of like a hybrid business so i always think that there's three types of business models if we simplify it if we oversimplify it there's service-based so someone makes all their money from one-on-one services there's the other end of the spectrum which is um product base so so everyone you make all your services from one to many offers whether that's selling digital products or group programs and there's the middle which is hybrid where you have a little bit of the both Sarah and I are both hybrid really Sarah's been hybrid for much longer than me I've always had kind of you know a course here or a course there I think I did I, st- I think I launched my first course or digital product the first year I started my business but it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I really moved my business to be kind of 50 50 clients and products whereas you Sarah have kind of been hybrid forever you've always had classes that sold really well and also one-on-one clients correct yeah, pretty much forever. So I started with one-to-one clients when I first left my NHS job and very quickly was kind of at this place where, similar to Laura, where like I just capacity-wise, people wanted more of me than I had. So it made sense to go to a class model. And that's when I always love to say is the best time to move to classes. A lot of people want to start with classes and I think it it's so much energetically easier if you go 
one-to-one first and then when you're selling out one-to-one move to classes then because because then your audience is ready for it and you're ready for it and you're kind of able to develop that insight into your audience I just also had the biggest wave of nostalgia because that's when we met because yeah. you hired me and that's what we worked on together and now you're Sarah bloody t- I, I look back and I'm like you didn't need me like you were just gonna go and do all this I awesome work. I so needed you. I remember <laughs> you came up with the name for the Insta retreat we were sat in Foundation Coffee trying to come up with a name and it was your idea so actually I probably owe you like 10% of everything <laughs> I ever made on that. <laughs> But it's, I, I agree, like I, it's, it, I think it's very hard to build a product, a one-to-many business without, for certain business models, like it's, because if you think you can make from one client income wise, what you would probably have to make from 10 to 50 one-to-many yes. sales, depending on what you're selling. I would say from my journey, and I've spoke a lot about this, like I have a lot of my own, I'll try and find some of my content that really shares the behind the scenes of this because I really shared the behind the scenes of it when I was doing it I got to a place where and I wonder if Laura Laura it's interesting a lot of the reasons when people come to me and because this is a lot of the work I do with my clients which is when they come to me and their business isn't working for them anymore and often it's because they have too many clients or their client work isn't actually sustaining them but they don't want to take on more clients and they want to build a more but basically this question is like how can I expand my income potential but often the main reason is I'm burnt out I'm exhausted, I'm unfulfilled, I'm unsatisfied. And it's interesting that obviously Laura, part of her question is that they say, you know, I want more breathing room around money. I'm, a, I'm able to win my wage moment, but I feel a lot of anxiety. But then the other two reasons are just, you know, travel and wanting to support your parents. And Laura, I'm I'm not assuming this isn't true for you, but Laura hasn't actually mentioned the dissatisfaction of working with clients. And oftentimes, for a lot of the people I work with, it's because they're burnt out on client work. And mm. for me, it wasn't quite that I was burnt out on client work because I working with my clients and I very intentionally have kept my business a hybrid business model it was more that my capacity had changed for client work I had my child and basically the story I always say is like before I had my son I felt like I had a really simple and spacious business my my life worked so I'd built my business was so aligned with how I wanted to live and work I was like okay now I can throw a baby into the mix threw a baby into the mix came back to work I was like (laughs) oh it's same old business but brand new me and really had to adjust my business to fit around you know being a working parent and it was a it was a pretty big journey I think I get advertised them a lot you know there's a lot of these courses that are like like grow your first online course and quit client work in a month and it's just a lot of people it gets sold as a really easy pivot and it's not that it's not an easy pivot but it's a layered pivot because you're basically starting in some ways a whole second business within your business while also maintaining the business you're already running. Yeah, yeah. And the break-even point is kind of quite high on it, especially energetically, the break-even, right? Like, it has to make as much money as you would make putting that much energy into one-to-one client work for it to make sense on both financial and energetic levels. I had a client this month who actually, she, she was really insightful to herself and she was like, leaning into the idea of starting with a course instead of one-to-one. And she could identify that actually it was about hiding. Like, she didn't feel safe showing up for one-to-one calls with people out of the blue like starting that whole part of a business Mm. and so it's sometimes it seems like it's going to be easier but then you think oh god I've got to write a whole freaking course whether one person shows up or 500 people show up and also when you're working with a client that's one relationship to manage and one all the practicalities that come with that when you're running 
like a group program, for example, like I, so now my business is, you know, client work. And then also my main other project is that I have your simple pleasures business, which is my um, group program. And I adore it. It's amazing. And, but also there's more admin, there's more payment stuff to manage every month. Like when there's failed payments and you have to chase them up, there's more people to be communicating with. And I built it incredibly intentionally to be energetically aligned for me but it's not it's not that the grass is greener it's that you're just creating new containers to manage within your business my biggest advice for anyone listening to this who is service-based and wants to expand their income potential and expand their offerings is to build really intentionally I've seen it before where clients of mine have for oh like they're like okay I want to expand my income so I'm going to create this type of program or this type of course but they basically build a second prison for themselves yes <laughs> and yes. it's like if you like for example with my group program that is and it's it's an interesting pricing model it's a lifetime program so basically members pay for a year's access and then they get um, they pay for just one year and then they continue to get lifetime access to everything inside but basically every year when I do a launch I do launches twice a year but every launch I'm just recommitting for the next year for those specific deliverables within the program if that makes sense but I very intentionally built this program to have I did not want to deliver monthly live deliverables that does not suit my energy that does not suit my capacity so most of the things that are delivered inside my group program are asynchronous so basically every month there are coaching modules that I create like a video deep dive and workbook and that gets delivered to the members there's um, office hours that they submit for there's a slack and only once a quarter do I do a live group call where we plan our quarters together which is delightful because I get to do this live thing with them but I'm not doing it so often and the best decision I made was I made a group program formatted in a way that I knew I would love to continue doing it and so the question isn't always just how can I expand my income the question I the more important question is how can I reshape my business model to truly work best for me and that includes expanding my income but also keeping in mind how do I actually want to experience delivering everything that I deliver in my business yeah exactly and that's kind of why like as I was like immediately my brain was like pinging with ideas for Laura of like things that they could do in their business the first thing for me was still she they they've not said that they don't enjoy the one-to-one client work so maybe it's actually starting there and going actually are the parts of the one-to-one work you do still love are the parts of that that really still light you up what if you could just create a whole new way of delivering one-to-one maybe that would meet some of that need so my brain was kind of going in the direction of like you know just I've seen graphic designers who will just offer like an hour of their time or like a, a half day of their time but you don't get that same level of like you come to them with a whole brief and they do the whole branding. They just come in and do one-off project-based work for you, just as like a, an example. Maybe there's a way of restructuring her one-to-one work that meets some of that need before you even get into the whole concept of like passive or semi-passive income streams. This is really interesting because that's kind of the journey I went on. And also I'm talking a lot about myself in this episode and my, I feel really bad for that because in my brain, I'm telling myself I'm a narcissist for doing so. No, it's good. We like real examples. You're all good. But I've been through this so much myself, my own business and worked with lots of clients in their own version of this. So I feel like I have a lot of, just, I have, I could talk about this for hours. I promise I won't Alex, because you don't want to edit hours worth of podcast. (laughs) But inside my group program, there's a whole vault of like courses and programs for my members and two of the resources in there. One is called Choose More and one is called Simplify the Client Business and Choose More is a class I've actually run 
as a standalone class, I run the last live cohort earlier this year. And that's a program all about creating a one-to-many offer as a client business and then simplify your client business is a resource. I'm getting somewhere, I promise. I'm not just trying to sell my stuff here. Uh, Simplify your client business is a resource. It's kind of a sister resource, which is all about simplifying your client business because like Sarah said, you already have an existing business and and this is the journey I went and this is these two things I'm actually really thinking of packaging them up as self-guided like a duo self-guided offer at some point because it's the process that saved me and my business and that I've seen support so many people through my work too is that the first problem isn't actually always creating new income streams it's exactly what Sarah said it's like it's looking at your current service-based offerings and sometimes it's simplifying it and sometimes it's expanding it for me back when I was in this place where I was like, okay, my business needs to change. My bread and butter offering was a six month one-on-one program. Clients got two calls a month. Um, it was over six months, but the problem for me, the leaky bucket in my business was that it was very rare for the program to stay within the scope of six months because mm-hmm. understandably people reschedule sometimes or, or people have to take a break for sometimes. And I was basically in a place where I was booking up my schedule with my availability, but then my availability, my, I was sometimes I was doing double the amount of calls than I was planned to because of people carrying over for various yeah. reasons. And so for me, I and I went on this journey of basically simplifying my business model. And for with so with one-on-one, um, I realized I need leaner one-on-one containers so that there's less scope for expansion is what I and I um another offer that I always offered for many years was a quarterly container which was one call a quarter and this used to be my more accessible way to work with me because it was less calls but over a longer period of time I'm just I just want to give Laura and anyone else listening the behind the scenes of how I came to these decisions because I was playing around with lots of things I thought oh do I offer a smaller package like a three month package and I experimented with that but what I found with that was it still created the same problem of the six month package of the expanding of the scope. And then I played around with this package where I collapsed the time of the calls into like this deep dive video, which was really great. And then they got Voxer, but again, it, it just didn't like, I like doing my one-on-one working calls or in Voxer more than like the, the deep dive. I just didn't stick with it as continuing to offer as future offers. But for me, what I realized was I love diving in with clients. I wanted more asynchronous coaching built into the package. So then it was more flexible for me. And so now my main way to work with me one-on-one is either a year long container where they get a quarterly call, but it's Voxer all the way in between but it basically it plugged that leaky bucket in the business of carryovers because if you've got one call a quarter you kind of make the use of it in that quarter and so then my schedule stays on track and then I also have like a free month Voxer only container um if someone just wants that asynchronous over a short window of time and basically I'm saying all this to Laura is I had to put basically sometimes if the business you've got is working but is not fully working best for you and we think and it's exactly what Sarah was saying if we think the job is to just expand potential income streams I found it very very powerful and I've seen this for myself and my clients too to actually look at the current offerings and Laura it doesn't sound perhaps like like something isn't working for you in your offerings but I think it's helpful to say this in case it is or for anyone else listening and actually looking at what is working within my client offerings right now and a lot of this even comes down to boundaries like a lot of the times I see for clients the the thing that's struggling them the most in their client work is that they have no boundaries is that they have no systems and processes to simplify everything and so I did both I looked at how I wanted to simplify my business and started to my client offerings and went to work there but also I started to visualize 
an additional business model of different offerings but I think that was such a great point of yours Sarah because if I didn't do that I wouldn't have been able to make the changes I made in my business because I had to simplify my client business at the same time and I think for most of us if we've never looked at it through this lens most of us probably can benefit from simplifying our client business because oftentimes it hasn't been modeled to us how to make it as simple and spacious and streamlined as possible. And and to make it work for us, like you get to be a bit selfish and you get to say, actually, the part of working with one-to-one clients that I love is this and I really hate this other bit. Well, okay, just offer the bits you love and see if if there's a market for that, if there's an appetite for that. Maybe you can then recommend some other designers to do the other stuff for them and just send them off on their way happy. And like you say, like even with your problem there, Jen, I think for a different person or a different client group it could have been solved with boundaries right you could have said some people do have especially um like VAs and designers will often say like but you get me until this date and then after that date even if we're not finished I'm done because you have to get all of your requests in before that date yeah so it is that combination of kind of strict boundaries getting the contract really clear and then making packages that exploit your genius Yeah. And one of the big lessons I've had to learn over the years, and it's a very empowering lesson, but it's also a very uncomfortable lesson. And and I often have to still do the mindset work to sit in it is basically my humanness has to be on the table too. I think I might have said this in a previous episode and it's basically like within my offerings, I, this is a thing I say, whenever clients come to me, a lot of our work together is they say like, my business isn't working for me. This is what I really want. And then we explore like what it would look like to make that possible. (laughs) And and then they get start to get anxious because like, well, I can't not offer this and yeah. I can't, I can't not do this. And the the thing I would say to them is like, just because it's what they want, it doesn't mean it's have to be what you give. Just because someone wants a certain type of access to you, just because like someone wants you to deliver it in a certain way. We, I'm a big believer in being client focused, but not client led. My packages and the way I deliver my work is so focused on my commitment and my devotion to my client's goals and desires and the, the what they bring to our work together. But the way I package it and the way I deliver it is built from how I need to be able to deliver my best work. And just because it's what they want doesn't mean it's how you have to give it. And that was a big lesson for me to learn. But I'm doing my best work now than ever before because I've built my business work best for me. And I think we sometimes feel just so grateful to be getting paid, especially earlier on, we feel so grateful to be getting paid and to be getting work and for people to be hiring us that we kind of, at all of our needs, we just shove into the corner because there's such an inconvenience to keeping everyone else happy. And we don't realize that actually building our offerings and our business in a way to work best for us is how we deliver our best work. And people aren't hiring you to be a people pleaser. People are hiring you to, uh, what did you, what did you say? What did you say about genius? What was that phrase you said, Sarah? Extract your zone of genius. No, you said extract. You didn't say extract your genius. You said exploit, exploit your genius. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. And that's, that's, that takes work. That takes work to sit down a lot of time it's thinking outside of the box. I had to think outside of the box to get to my best fit business model. Also, so often I think customers and clients will come to you thinking they know what they want, but it's not actually what they want. And I'm sure Laura knows this. People might come and say, oh, I just need a new logo. And But, you know, actually when you get them into the design process and you start to have those conversations, you might uncover actually they want like a full rebrand or maybe they want something different completely to what people think they want at first. And that's a really common thing. Like people come to the Insta retreat thinking they just want more followers and then I get them in there and I'm like, okay, but actually what will you do if you have more followers? Do you even know what you want? So 
sometimes being too client-led and letting letting them dictate mm. what they want can create worse results all around. Sometimes you have to kind of accept that having done this work for a long time, having worked with lots of different people, maybe you know what they need and it's okay to shape an offer that delivers that, but communicates to them in a way that's going to appeal to where they are right now and often that's what a lot of our free content does as well is kind of helps people bridge that gap between what they think they need and what they actually need so yeah I think it's really important to start from that place of like what is my one-to-one and look at it really creatively look at it with really strong boundaries throw out the rule book and go okay well if I can offer anything of my time what is my time worth when is my time worth the most and I know Laura spoke about putting her rates up slowly but I think if you're if you're sold out, you can keep putting your rates up until you're not sold out, generally speaking. Like it doesn't have to be a slow thing and it doesn't have to be a scary thing. You're allowed to charge what you're worth. What would you say about that though? About charging, uh, it's complicated, right? Because it's burnout for me in the earlier years of my business was because I was so afraid to put my prices up. And so I learned early on, you've, you've got to be brave enough to put your prices up. And you've got, you, you know, the thing I found the most empowering at every stage in my business is to let myself I promise I'm coming back to answering your question. Like to to allow myself to dream bigger than feels comfortable. Like the most helpful question that I find sometimes is asking myself, what do I really want? Like if I could have, and and, and this isn't, this isn't like to the extreme levels of like, I'd make 10 million pounds a year working one hour a week. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying within the realm of what is realistic. (laughs) Um, And actually that's a, that's a, that's a double-edged sword, that word I think realistic. But like I asked myself, what do I really want? So when I was making this pivot for my business that I made over the past few years, you know, I'd ask myself, well, what do I really want? How many hours do I want to work a week? And how many hours of those I want to be client? Like for me to say to myself, I only want to do client calls one day a week, one month of the quarter, and then have two months of zero calls in my schedule, going from someone who used to have anywhere from 15 to 20 client calls a week, like to go from that to what I've built it to felt so radical. But if I hadn't have told myself, this is what I want, I wouldn't have done it. And then I said to myself, I want a group program where people felt like it was home for them. Like I didn't want a group program where they were like, well, I have to get the most out of it because in six months I'm kicked out of it because it's a limit. I wanted it to feel like home for them. And I wanted it to be a group program where my humanness was built into the fabric of the program. So I built it in a way where I was only extracting of myself what was sustainable to give of myself. And I was looking at, oh, this is how much I want to make here. And this is how much I want to make there. And I had to let myself dream about what my work week could look like and about what my year could look like and about how my working hours could look. And by doing that, I was then able to reverse engineer that into, because I then I then knew anytime I had an idea, I could say, well, does this idea align with what I truly want? And if it took me away from it, I knew it wasn't an idea we were following in terms of structuring an offer or pricing an offer. Because a part of that vision is like, how much money do I want to make um, within this? And so my biggest advice to Laura and anyone else listening is to actually ask yourself that question like what is and I have I'll put a link in the show notes to my deep dive kit which is this if I say so myself this amazing free resource of mine where I actually walk you through everything I'm talking about here I walk you through clarifying your business vision and your business model and your then your marketing plan and all that good stuff but part one of the deep dive kit will walk you through clarifying what is my business vision and then what kind of business model would facilitate that business vision becoming my reality if you can really clarify them and anchor to them and they're going to evolve as you get more clarity or as you grow deeper in your business. But if you can anchor onto them, then you know everything you're building next is aligned with that. And then pricing is just basically the maths of this is what I want to offer. 
this is how much availability I have for this offer. And this is how much I need to make from this to make my enough number, do the maths of that. You're basically dividing your availability um, by how much, you're basically dividing how much you want to earn by availability that's easy with one-on-one with one-to-many it's more like well how many people could I have in this program or how many things do I need to sell to make this number that kind of helps give you a base for pricing there because then you get to see oh actually what I'm charging and with my desired capacity I'm only you know one pay increase left from getting to there or you might see like oh damn I need to really put my prices up <laughs> to make that possible for me but my industry or my client base can't sustain that therefore I need to make more of my money from passive income every business is so unique to what that looks like for you but I come at pricing from a I drill it all down for my business vision and my business model because then I know that I'm being very intentional with how I'm pricing. And oftentimes in the past, I've known what my ideal pricing was, but I also, especially early on in my business, I didn't have the experience I have now. So I worked towards pricing over a year or two because I had to do it in a way that felt from a place of integrity. So for anyone listening to this who's perhaps earlier on in your business who does the maths and sees I can't charge that being in integrity and we can question our money mindset there but I think sometimes it is realistic to think I'm just not in a place where I would feel comfortable charging that. Absolutely. That's okay you can build up to it. So it's very nuanced but that would be my biggest advice would be clarify use a deep dive kit if it can be supported for you it's completely free that deep dive kit to clarify your business vision and how your business model makes it your reality and then it's getting stuck into the specifics of yours and I imagine for Laura and anyone else listening then it's starting to explore you know Laura's question is do you have any ideas strategies or suggestions for expanding income potential for a service-based business and ultimately that comes down to coming up with some ideas for the type of expanding offerings you would want to bring into your business and then building that work into your business in a way that is sustainable and joyful. Absolutely. And like I said, immediately my brain went off with lots of ideas, which I can talk through. But so often, especially when I'm working with one-to-one clients, I really enjoy helping them position so their passive income streams or their low cost products that don't require their bespoke one-to-one attention are actually almost part of their marketing for the more expensive possibly one-to-one or whatever offer they have you know it's that's that first kind of low-cost introduction to buying with them and and to spending money with them so it almost becomes like a little bit of a sales funnel and so in order to do that before you want to start funneling people through you want to make sure that the end result of where you're taking them to is working and that includes everything including the pricing because really if you're a service-based business and you're in too much demand and you can't meet the demand the only way to navigate that is is to put your prices up a little bit so that you don't have to work with as many people one-to-one to make as much money in your business and so that some people are sort of priced out so that they know it's not for them and they can go elsewhere or buy one of your more accessibly priced products that you can put further down on that kind of funnel. So for web for a graphic designer, I would be thinking like, do you want to make web templates? Do you mm. want to make Amazon books or workbooks that people can buy that are like print on demand and sent out to them? Do you want to do classes? Do you want to do mentoring and supporting other graphic designers in their work? Do you want to do affiliates? Do you want to do, I I think Laura had already mentioned, like things selling on the websites like Creative Market, like bundles or assets Mm. or templates, or even things like a bit more creative, like, you know, making really beautiful digital planners and getting into that whole market or making workbooks for people who want to redesign their website so that they can work through those themselves. But all of those things with the exception possibly of mentoring and classes, are fairly low price point things. So they're great discovery tools. It's a great way to 
people to be introduced to your work and to your style but some people will buy those and it won't be enough and they'll want the next thing and then you need to know what the next thing you're taking them to is yeah that's kind of that value ladder business model so if you think of like the different types of business models like some people just have like a like a one and done type business model where they just have like one core service and that's what people get and then other people have a value ladder which is exactly what sarah was so it sounds like laura right now has like a a service-based business like you can get these services that like that's it then you have a value ladder which is exactly what sarah is saying which is you know your 27 pound i'm simplifying this but like your 27 pound ebook and then your 250 pound like self-guided course and then your 1000 pound group program then your 5000 pound one-on-one like it kind of is like everything there's there's a path for every customer to go through to different options within that value ladder and then there's more of like a choose your own adventure type business model so that's where you have different customer pathways depending on the different things you offer. So there's like, you might have mini value ladder. Like it's like someone who kind of has maybe two specialties. So maybe an artist and a graphic designer, perhaps you have some offerings and services for people who want your graphic design skills as a, like they're a business owner and they want like your website templates or they want your branding templates. But then as an artist side of things, perhaps you also have like art they can buy or like art classes for them to- or custom portraits. Exactly. Or... So it's like- it, it, you don't really have to put yourself in a box there. That's just one way to think of a business model and the different ways you can map things out. And I also think when you're service-based, expanding into more one-to-many income streams, it's also getting clear on audience size and what the goal is of the income streams. For example, if you don't have a very big audience, you're not going to make a lot of money selling a 27 pound product. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it, It's something that you can build up to as, as you grow your audience. But if you have a small but engaged audience selling a higher ticket group program or a higher ticket course, that's more likely going to stabilize your income outside of one one-on-one work. So it's also be, whereas for someone, if you, if you have a huge audience, it can sometimes make more sense for you to create that lower ticket course or program um because so it's also being very intentional about what type of income streams do I want to like for me before your simple and spacious business which is my flagship group program I never I don't think I'd ever launched a one-to-many product more than a thousand pounds I can't think maybe I did like some higher ticket group programs where it was like a small cohort altogether. but again for me that wasn't that much more spacious than delivering client work because you're still kind of in those kind of containers I was still doing like group calls and then I did courses like ranging from like the 200 to 600 pound mark and they would bring in like good chunks of income flow for a certain time when I was launching that course but for me I mean I don't have meet Sarah and I actually have on two opposite ends of the spectrum audience size like what I have I don't even know how many Instagram followers I have but I don't even have 10,000 I think I have 7,000 whereas Sarah how many Instagram followers do you have uh 200,000 something like exactly that. and I'm pretty sure your email list is 10 times the size of my email list so what I'm saying here is for me, your simple and spacious business, which is a group program that is, I actually offer it at a sliding scale pricing, but, um, you know, it comes in around 1500, but it's a little bit less if you go for sliding scale. The reason that's been able to really stabilize my business as a hybrid business model is because it's a higher ticket group program of pricing because I don't have a massive audience. I have a, you know, I have an established audience and I have a decent size audience, but I do not have a Sarah st- st- size audience. <laughs> that's how, whereas for you with the industry, that's been like one of your biggest income streams over the years. And that's priced at what for the class? Uh, about 450, depending on where you're based. So if you see it in terms of, it's also keeping in mind, what's my audience size? 
what kind of offering do I want to deliver? Like, do I want to do a high ticket group program? Do I want to do a mid ticket group program? I think it's also being clear around what type of offer you want to build into your business and what makes sense for your specific business does that make sense Sarah completely and it's it's also the question I think of of what the product is that you're offering right so if you're making something that has a ton of click appeal is going to go really well on Insta and Pinterest then you might find that putting it on somewhere like creative market if you go viral on creative market that can become a huge source not only of kind of you know scalable passive revenue but also of new discovery for you and your business and your work if it's not that kind of work if it's the kind of work that just because of the way the algorithms work isn't going to stand out it's not a reflection on the quality of the work or the desirability of the work we just know aren't there there's certain things that the algorithms love and there are certain things that they don't if it's going to be much more of a slog to shift the same number of pieces via creative market, let's stick with that example, then I often think maybe it's better as a lead magnet. Maybe it's Mm. better as a freebie that you use to bring people into your business and then delight them in other ways with higher cost items. So it's really about thinking, what's the end result? Where do I want to be making most of my money from my business? And then how do these little moving pieces fit in? How do I expect them to perform? And we can never absolutely guess, but if for example, at the moment, there are zero digital assets on creative market for Substack. You type the word Substack in and you get nothing. So if Laura went and created some beautiful sets of graphics for people to brand their Substacks, I can imagine that she might actually get immediately quite a lot of recognition and attention and sell quite a lot of those and start to use that as kind of a bit of a funnel for people paying for more of her one-to-one design work versus if she wanted to make some Instagram story templates, you go on there and there are like 60 gazillion and it's going to be very difficult to stand out. Yeah, no, completely. And it's all just, it's all a big experiment, right? Like it's rooting into what you want and what you want for your business long-term and what your vision is for long-term and then being willing to experiment and it's being intentional. It's interesting. A lot of the conversations I've been having with clients lately, a lot of it is coming back to, Passive income is a lie. Nothing is truly passive, but wanting is true freedom in a business, taking ourselves out of the equate of every single equation. Because ultimately, like one to many income, like one on one, you're you're the only one who can deliver that, right? Even if you have, like Laura says, looking to get a VA or a studio manager, people are still hiring you for you. And I think, and I've been exploring this with a lot of my clients, is just a desire to have some form of quote unquote passive income built into the business model so that there is at least something in your business where you've taken you out of the delivery of it. And so I, I'm just, this is less of advice and more just like industry chat of just thinking more and more about how when you're building out a business model in your business, I think it's interesting for everyone to question like, what's my version of sustainable passive income? I know this is like, everyone's like, yeah, Jen, duh. But it's kind of easier said than done with passive income because you can make the digital product, but then how do you sell it, sell it, keep selling it? That's not passive, yeah. Passive, and then it's interesting because like Sarah said, if it's something that can take off in a place like creative market, that's one option. For a lot of my clients, they're looking at built, like they're building out, um, AdSense for certain business models, that's a great one. For other people, it's having kind of a good sales funnel to a course from like a freebie to a course. For so there's so many different ways that you can explore this. But I think if you're listening to this and you're a service-based business owner and you're like, where do I start here? Perhaps it's just asking yourself to come up with free potentials and seeing where you want to dive into first. First is what's a completely passive thing I could create where I make it once and then it's done, it's making money for me. And and how would you market that to get that evergreen income coming through? Then it's what, what would a mid-tier 
one to many offering be so that's anywhere from say what a hundred to a thousand is probably that could be the range of mid-tier so that's yeah. probably something where it's not lifetime it's a group program or a course for a certain window of time and then what's your higher ticket one to many offering could be that's like a thousand and over and I wonder if anyone listening to this who wants to create one to many income as a one-to-one business that's going to give you free ideas so like you're basically saying to yourself passive income so that's something that someone just pays for once I mean that could even be up to 500 I've seen people charge like a thousand pounds for a passive income class like no delivery of that person so there's no price limit on that and then it's like what's a mid ticket offering you could come up with and then what's like a higher ticket offering you could come up with and so even if it's like what's a group cohort what's a self-guided cohort what's a digital product just see what ideas come to you and then and then it's being smart about asking yourself what makes sense for the business now or sometimes with clients we will do this where we kind of come up with these different ideas and then they're like well which one do I start with now and there's actually no glaring right answer each answer is worthwhile saying yes to in its own right and so then we just say well what what feels good to you to put your energy into so if you're doing this exercise and then you're like oh there's actually no clear right answer go with the one that feels the most energizing to you or makes the most sense to you would be my encouragement because sometimes that's just the best way to move forward in business the good news is if you've already especially I mean for every business the options are always endless for how you can make money but for someone like Laura who is you know you've been working you've got work you've been like you're obviously in demand the options are endless here for ways that you can expand your income potential sometimes it's just cracking open that door in our head to say like just just because this is how I've made money so far doesn't have to be the only way that I make money and that I think honestly the biggest challenge of this is finding time to do the work to expand our income streams while also being in client delivery for me that was the hardest part for clients I say that's the hardest part is actually finding the time to do it and I think that's where having a clear plan and time frame comes in very helpful to keep us on track yes that's why starting with reframing the one-to-one offer can sometimes be so important because that can be the easiest way to buy yourself a little bit of wiggle room in your calendar and your schedule so that you've got some room to look at this and I know Laura says that they're not interested in working with staff at the moment but sometimes a VA is a one-off can be helpful for things like that you know if you decide a digital product is what you want to do and you want to do a workbook you might outsource for someone to do the actual building of the pages you could do the yeah. design and they could build that together or I imagine in Laura's case that's the kind of thing that they could do very quickly and easily but for example like sometimes I'll do Instagram reviews where I'll sell a one-to-one call and I'll get on a call with people and we'll talk about their account I'll make lots of notes but then I just send the notes and sometimes an audio recording to Claire and she will turn that into a beautiful document and a report that we can then send to the person of their action steps and everything else. So you don't have to make a model that requires a member of staff, but sometimes it can buy you some space and time. I think if you are willing to outsource some of the parts of it so that you can stay in that zone of genius. And when it comes to those ideas that we're kind of generating, I have a few questions that I would offer to people as well, which would be look at what are the things you find yourself repeating in your one-to-one client work? So are there like conversations you keep having with people and the questions that pretty much everyone brings to you that you have to answer? Because those are often really good things to turn into like self-guided resources or classes or anything else like that. 
What are the things that you could do with your eyes closed that you find yourself having to do for clients? Would they be either things you could outsource sometimes or things that you can skill your clients up to do for themselves? And where can you be most of service to your clients? Like what is the thing that they need the most that you would feel so filled up by helping them with? And then what's the most accessible step for that and sometimes when I'm building a product I'll start with like what would be the absolute dream for my client so like maybe the dream is I am at their house and I'm sat next to them and every day I'm like right what are we working on today okay bring it up let me look at you let's go like obviously that's not possible so then I go what's the next best thing maybe the next best thing would be being on zoom with me all day every day having me do that obviously that's not possible so what's the next best thing well maybe it's a call with me every morning to check in on goals. Okay, well that might be possible. Or maybe we could do something similar via Voxer. And then you can start to kind of build a package that gives them the same kind of results, but is scaled down to something that actually works for you and your nervous system and your existence as a human being. Those three questions that Sarah just laid out there are like, I they're the best questions. Those are questions that can get us to figuring out what this offer looks like I always think that especially when you're one-on-one and you've been doing client work after client work basically all your magic lives in your brain and with every single client you're doing the same thing over and over again because they can only access your brain in that one-on-one capacity and for me the big thing I how I really reframed building this flagship group program that I built was I was downloading my brain and the beautiful thing is it actually has strengthened my client work because now clients, they come to me and instead of having to do the thing one-on-one that I would usually just do one-on-one, I can send them to that specific training or video in the program. They can work through that. And then with our time together, we can dive in even deeper. It actually can, some of, every time I've created a one-to-many offering, it's always strengthened my client work as well. And I always think it's downloading my brain because there's, there's certain things I can only do live in terms of holding space for someone, whether that's on a call or in Voxer, or even just like over a Slack together when someone asks a question, like the specifics of someone's journey and sitting in them with that or sharing my ideas and feedback on the specifics of their business. I can only do that on a call in Voxer or in Slack. I can, it's like, it kind of goes in like written in like a Slack channel is like some level of it, but it's really Voxer or a call where you can really get into the specifics of, of someone. But the rest, like the information and the processes in terms of like, these are the questions I ask you and these are the frameworks I give you to figure these things out in your business. So here's how I break down marketing in a really simplified way. That I have downloaded all of that from my brain. I cannot tell you how much peace I have found in my business just from downloading my brain because all of my magic doesn't live in my brain just anymore. Like so all my magic, my members can sign into the, the website for your Simple Spaces business and just access all of it in there. And then they get the hands-on support from me from office hours and from Slack and clients get to dive in even deeper. And so I think those questions that Sarah asked are so, so powerful because it's also what can be downloaded and what can only be, like you can download your process and your structure, but only you can do the actual designing that you would do for someone's project. But you can probably teach someone how to think like how you think and do their own designing or do their own implementation or whatever it looks like. Yeah, notice the problems. And and that was the other thing I was thinking is, 
there's a whole revenue stream to be made from past clients for Laura, people yeah. who've already had a design done by her, but maybe she can look at where are the snags, where are the problems when she goes on their websites or their Instagrams and sees them applying the templates she's made and the brand guidelines and going, oh, they needed to know that. Like they needed, I find I struggle with this. I can get beautiful branding made for me, but then as soon as I have to kind of go off piece to make a new thing, it just doesn't look right. So what could you create for them? Could you create like a series of videos or could you create like a, a catch-up session where you kind of review their new assets and tweak them and make them work or any number of things but remembering that client group as well and that their needs might be completely different to people who are brand new and finding you but an existing customer is always easier to sell to than a brand new person completely and remember there's so many people in your audience who've never been able to afford to work with you one-on-one who the minute you have something available for them in their price range, like a one-to-many offer, like it's you, you, you've got past clients to sell to, but you've also got so many people who have just never taken the leap to work with you one-on-one, but will eat up the next thing that you have available. To them. The thing that I find really helpful as well is finding what I call lighthouses, like find examples of people with business models who have in your industry or even in adjacent industries that have expanded their income streams in a way that really interests you. So whether it's the structure of their offer or the way they've marketed it, like find yourself maybe two to four examples of people. It's not that you want to replicate their exact business, but it's just finding examples that crack open what's possible for you. That's what I found really helpful as well is just when I find someone, I'm like, oh, your business model is interesting. Let me just do a little deep dive into what you're doing. And oh, how have you structured that course? Sometimes we don't even know what's possible until we've seen someone else model it to us. Completely, completely. And same with Substack. Like there are so many people using Substack for businesses that you would never expect. But like you say, it's an accessible price point. So there are artists and designers on there who either they're creating communities or you get a small amount of digital assets every month or something that my brain can't even think of but they're doing it and they're making it work. And as soon as you see it, even if it's not in your industry, it becomes like a little diving board that your brain leaps off of and goes into a whole new pool of ideas. Yeah. I also have two opposite pieces of advice. <laughs> okay. First piece of advice, like it's really okay if it takes time. A lot of the times yes. with clients, especially if you're pretty fully booked with client work and or you also have other challenging circumstances, whether you've got health stuff going on or perhaps you're a carer or a parent, it's okay if it takes time. For example, I had the idea for my flagship group program a year before I launched it. Like for an entire year, I had the idea, but I was simplifying my client business first and creating the space to build it so that when I launched it, I could give it 100%. So it's okay if it takes time. It's okay if you have an idea and you have to really map out a time frame that works best for you. And then my second piece of advice is kind of, it's not completely opposite but also I do find it helpful sometimes to start with a smaller win so in that time where I was kind of simplifying my client business and kind of preparing to launch because I had there's a lot of build for me with my flagship group program to get it ready to go I still launched some one-to-many offers throughout that year like I relaunched a couple of classes and I launched a brand new class like I was still doing smaller things to bring in some cash flow also just in terms of one-to-many cash flow also to test out different marketing approaches that I would then take into the first big launch of the group program say Laura's like okay I've got this really awesome idea for like this massive flagship group program but I don't have everything I need to launch that yet but I actually have an idea for like a one-off class or a smaller program or a digital product or perhaps it's the opposite and you're like actually I have this amazing idea for a passive income product but I am going to have to do a lot of audience growth for it to be fully sustainable but I do have this idea for a smaller cohort group program that I know I could probably sell now like 
it's okay to have the big vision and then build in some small wins now to just bring in that extra yeah. cash flow. And sometimes the small win is just simplifying your client business. There is no one size fits all step forward here. It's more looking at the reality of your business, your energy. My biggest advice though, is anyone listening to this who wants to expand their income streams, make a like take some steps forward whether that's simplifying your client business first whether that's creating a smaller one-to-many offer whether that's going for the big one-to-many offer especially for anyone listening to this who is service-based but hasn't built say an email list yet just start with building an email list like start with building your online audience and connection there I think it's really hard if we have to say to ourselves I'm not going to make any of the progress I don't want to make for a year until I have the space to do it I think little wins and little momentum is I see this over and over again with clients. You have to build it little by little for that dopamine hit, for that building of confidence and courage. Without that, I think it's hard to stay and stay focused on something that's a year off without little wins along the way. Definitely. It takes so much courage and faith to keep going with absolutely no evidence, like even for a day, never mind for a year. And I really believe, and I've seen this so many times, that anytime we create value, like it never goes away. So if you write an amazing group program and it doesn't sell, that's devastating and I completely with you in that but that work has been done all that value exists and then you can repackage it and you can turn it into a podcast series or you could turn it into a series of substack posts or you could turn it into freebies or you could turn it into a live class or anything that you can't even picture yet but so making something of value you've got to remember like this is my theory for how it's going to sell this is my theory for how it's going to work but your effort and your creativity is never wasted if it doesn't work out straight away in the way you expected it to. Failure should always be expected in business. Like failure is never the end. That's the one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn is like, there's no failure that's ever the end of the road. I've had launches that have exceeded my expectations. I've launched classes and like the first time I launched it, it sold really well. And the second time I launched it did exactly the same thing. And it sold like a third of what it sold. And like the business is not linear. Like there's ups, there's downs, there's highs, there's lows, but we learn from it all. There is no failure that's ever the end of the road. Our willingness to sit in the discomfort of the highs and the lows don't underestimate like how that is part of the journey and and evolving a business model and expanding income streams it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of focus it takes a lot of vision and also it's been the one of the most like energizing like after I decided to make this pivot in my business like eight or nine years in like to come back to life in a whole new way in my business and to find a whole new way to deliver my magic and to do my best work it has brought me back to life in my business and you can always grow and expand in different ways so you don't embark on this journey for anyone listening who wants to expand your income streams believing the lie that it has to happen exactly how you want it to happen or exactly how that person selling you their class has told you it happened for them like it's okay for it to be a messy road and for there to be ups and downs but if you want to change your business model or evolve your business model you committing to it and trusting your ability to figure it out and welcoming people to support you along the way who can guide you and encourage you would be my biggest encouragement and if you don't have like a bigger budget obviously there's you can hire me or Sarah one-on-one you can invest in our higher ticket programs but also just listening to this podcast or just listening to anyone's podcast or taking anyone's course who supports you and encourages you don't do it alone within whatever capacity you have support you can invite into your journey but I'm so glad that I took the time to evolve my business and I'm so glad that I will continue to take the time to evolve my business and the options are endless and hopefully this episode you know those questions that Sarah laid out especially in terms of recognizing in your business like 
what you what you can what's the questions you keep answering and what's the processes that you even if if you have no idea where to start map out your client process from a to z like map the entire thing out what you do with a client what you support them with and then ask yourself within there what can i basically what can i productize within what i'm already doing one-on-one because perhaps it's not that you can walk someone through the entire process but perhaps you can productize helping someone clarify their brand values or their brand guidelines or you can help someone learn how to use their brand assets in a really effective way productizing your process is often a good place to start or selling assets that you can sell on a one-to-many level would be but my biggest encouragement is just if you want to evolve your business be brave enough to put that desire on the table and make a plan that works best for you and just trust that it doesn't it's okay if the first thing you sell doesn't sell well it's okay if the first thing you tell does sell well and the second thing doesn't it's all just one big experiment what is your final encouragement Sarah? I think it's about staying in integrity with yourself like everything you've said there it really really resonates and it's so common for us to kind of lose that trust in our own intuition or in our own ideas about what's right to feel like for example productizing certain parts of that client process that like in that way we're being of less service like we're compromising what we do we're giving the client a worse experience actually like trust yourself that you can do it with integrity and make it even better for a client so that they can reflect on that and have an even better experience and come to you and get the absolute most out of your time and their money and you can help way more people because it becomes scalable like what if that is it being an integrity in your business what if that is you serving as many people as possible and the way you're doing it right now is the injustice to people I think we forget that there are other ways and just because the way that's working right now works well doesn't mean there's not another way that's going to work even better not just for you but for everybody else as well so find that stay in integrity and every time you're asking yourself a question I think it's just about saying do I like my reasons am I saying I want to do this because it feels easier because it feels less scary because it feels like it won't fail or am I doing this because this is the kind of business I want to have and this is the kind of thing people need from me in the world and when you're in integrity with those things you will not make a wrong choice yeah, trust that us being like the visionary behind our business is the life force of our business. It's the only option. It has to be that way. But also giving ourselves the space to get inspired ideas. Like just because because if you could you might look at the table and be like, oh, okay, there's this one course that I'm sure I could create and it would sell, but I have absolutely no desire to do that. Trust the lack of desire there. Like trust if you need some time to kind of just play with ideas let let it stay open and see what's coming and just the good thing is is that the options are endless there's so many fun things you can do keep expose yourself to people who are who are where you want to be it's my one of my biggest encouragement in business listen to their podcasts follow their work like not to the point where you dilute your own voice but if you're currently in a place where you know you want to expand your income streams but you have no idea where to start I think being inspired not to copy what you're being inspired by but to just crack open possibilities so often I think for service-based business owners it can feel like well I make money by trading my time for money so that's the only way I can do it and it's just cracking open the different possibilities of what else could be true for you and there is no right path forward and I know that's frustrating because it would be so nice if we could say follow these 10 perfect next steps but what's really exciting is you get to carve out your next path and there are different structures you can follow within it but you get to decide how you move forward Laura you might decide to launch like a pass a small passive income product or you might decide to launch a big group program neither is right or wrong it's just whatever you want to experiment with and please report back 
and let us know how you're going and I really hope that at some point you get to take your trip to the Maldives that sounds amazing yes come and share come and talk to us in the community you can join the free community on Substack or you maybe want to join us as a paid member either way you can share not just Laura but anyone who's going through this process and wants to brainstorm ideas it's one of my favorite things to do in fact feel free to book a half hour with me and have me give you all the ideas I have so many I love coming up with ideas for people's businesses and kind of finding that intersection between what's trending and what people want and what's going to sell really well and what fits so well with what you want to do in the world it's one of my favorite puzzles to solve so bring it to Substack bring it wherever and we will chat and Jen we've done 58 minutes Sorry. Well, we are Alex is going to be mad well the also as of this episode going live our next private episode will probably be going live within that week or the week after because we're going to be recording that next week so if you're a paid subscriber look out for our next private episode coming out very very soon if you're not a paid subscriber and you're like what are you talking about every month Sarah and I do an episode where we dive completely into like all the behind the scenes of our business journey and what's working what isn't how we're feeling basically our business bestie chat you get all the juicy behind the scenes of that for £6.50 a month it is the most accessible thing Sarah and I sell ever in our businesses so if you would love to become a paid member and get that private episode episode in your feed in the coming days or week um all the details will be at Substack if you'd love to join us as paid if not I'm just so happy that you're enjoying the free episodes we're here for you always submissions are always open for new letters to dive into in future episodes we've got I think one more episode for July then we're going to take a little break in August just to recharge our tanks and then we'll be back for September but yeah the, the, but there'll still be a private episode going out in august and yeah this was fun to record today sarah so fun i can't wait to talk to you for a private episode and i will be having an emotional meltdown in that one (laughs) planning it already now (laughs) so yeah if you want all the juicy behind the scenes they will be there but yeah i hope you're all having a good day laura come and let us know your thoughts and anyone's got any encouragement for laura and yeah we will speak to you all soon take care everyone bye You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We are going to be sharing new episodes. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon.